Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Luke chapter 2, we are talking this morning about Christmas is joy. We are continuing to celebrate what's called the Advent season. Advent, if you haven't been with us, is coming or appearing or revealing of Christ, the, the time when Christ came to us. And we're focusing in this Advent season on what Christmas really is, right? Because we've discussed the fact that we have filled this time of year with, okay, let's be honest, a lot of foolishness, right? There's a lot of silly things that don't have anything to do with anything that we have brought into the whole Christmas realm. But we don't want those things to be our main focus, and we don't want those things to distract us. Rather, what we want to do is focus on what Christmas really is, and this is key, and what Christmas really brought us. So over four weeks... We are using four words that are well associated with Christmas. We began two weeks ago with Christmas is hope. Last week we talked about Christmas is, you guys remember, peace. That's right. This week we're talking about Christmas is joy. And then on Wednesday, we're going to wrap it all up on Christmas Eve with Christmas is love at 5.55. We'll be talking Christmas is love. And we're doing all of this instead of just like, right, this is what typically happens. You just teach what you're teaching through December and then it's Christmas and we go, oh yeah, it's about Jesus. And then we keep going. Instead, we just set all of December aside. And we said, we want to focus and prepare, spiritually prepare for what Christmas really is. So I hope you feel more prepared than you have in years past as we've gone through these things. Well, let's read the Christmas story now from Luke chapter 2. And this is the real Christmas story, right? You won't find any flying reindeer or elves in this story. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from a city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and who was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying in the field and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, and this is where we're going today. I bring you good news of what? Of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been, been, has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach your word, we pray you'd minister to our hearts. Lord, we pray that now, in Jesus' name, that you would remove and clear from our minds all of the hecticness and busyness of this time of year, any non-spiritual preparations that we're making, and we would be able to, right now, focus our whole attention on you, give you the whole of our mind and our heart. Lord, we ask you to speak to us as we now focus on what Christmas is really about. Would you minister to us, Lord? Would you speak to our heart? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you can see, we're talking about Christmas as joy. And as we look at the connection between Christmas and joy, we have to realize that Christmas should be a time of great worship. That's where we're going today. We're talking about worship this morning and the connection between joy, worship, and Christmas. And so what we need to do at this time is open our hearts and allow God to begin to cultivate in us a spirit of worship. We'll go to a second worship set in a little while. We want God to be ministering to our hearts, that we would be ready to truly worship Him. And the way we're going to prepare for that is through God's Word. And it's fitting to talk about worship at Christmas time, because joyful worship Praise and exaltation surrounded the birth of Christ and the announcement of the coming Savior. Nearly everybody involved was praising and worshiping at some point in the process. Zacharias, who was the father of John the Baptist in Luke 1, he worshiped because of the announcement of the coming Savior and that his son, John the Baptist, would would be the one to go before the Messiah. Elizabeth as well, the mother of John the Baptist, we're told that when Mary showed up at her house, she praised the Lord. And then little John the Baptist even, still in his mom's tummy, when Mary showed up at the house, it tells us that the baby leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb. Even he's worshiping at Christmas time. Mary, as she went into the house, sung what is called oftentimes Mary's Magnificent, a song that she sang of of praise to God at that time. Of course, the angels that appeared in the shepherd's field, as we just read there in verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And then the shepherds, right after the shepherds had gone to see little Jesus and they're on their way back, it says that they went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. So everybody involved is worshiping the Lord. And the point is that Christmas should be a time of great worship. Because what is worship really? 
Worship is an expression of the joy that we have in Christ. Because of who He is and what He's done, we should have joy. And therefore, we should express that in worship. We'll get more to that in a few minutes. But first, we need to, as we're talking about joy today, we need to define joy today. Because one of the things that we realized over the last couple of weeks, as we looked at Christmas's hope and Christmas's peace, what did we realize? That our common everyday use and definitions of hope and of the word peace were different, weren't they, from biblical peace? We looked at it and we said, well, there's a vast difference in saying, I hope there's tacos at the party compared to saying, Jesus is the hope of my salvation, right? Those are two vastly different ways to define hope. Or saying, I saved up a little money so I have a sense of peace compared to saying, I know that my eternity is secure in Jesus, therefore I have peace, right? Those are two vastly different levels of peace, aren't they? The same is true as we come to this word joy and we define joy biblically. There's a common, usual way that we define it. And then there's a biblical way that the Bible defines joy. The the typical, common, everyday dictionary definition of joy would be something like this. Any dictionary you grab would say, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Might say, delight jubilation, bliss, an emotion evoked by good fortune. But all of that has to do with what? Feelings, right? Emotions. But real joy, I mean, I mean, biblical joy, while it has some attachments to feelings, there's way more to it, isn't there? Real biblical joy is way more than just a feeling, isn't it? Joy often gets mistaken with happiness, doesn't it? But real joy is more than just feeling happy. Because happiness is subject to feelings, and feelings change quickly, don't they? You can be happy in one moment, and two seconds later, be mad or upset or sad or something else. Right? That changes quickly. Happiness and feelings are subject to what? Our circumstances. Right? You could be having a great day. You could go surf, get some good waves. You could go get yourself a nice big taco and you're happy, right? Because tacos make me happy. Who who isn't happy when they are holding on to a taco? You go get your taco. You're as happy as you can be. You're walking back to the car. You stub your toe. You drop your taco. You drop your keys down the storm drain. Are you happy anymore? No, of course not. You're horribly upset. But did you lose the joy of your salvation? No. Did you lose the joy that you have in the Lord in that moment that you're very, very distraught about your taco? Of course not. Happiness is fickle, isn't it? Real joy is something deeper. It's something that transcends our circumstances. And that's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice. Always. Whether you're happy, whether you're sad, whether things are going good or your tacos on the ground and your keys are in the gutter. 
Rejoice in the Lord. He says it again in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 where he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. See, real biblical joy transcends our circumstances. In Psalm 119.143, it says this, As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commandment. Regardless of the pressure and the pain and the stress of life, there's still joy in the Lord. It, it transcends our feelings because it's based in more than just our circumstances, right? This past week, on Thursday, in fact, I, ha- I have a good friend that lives on the mainland, and, and he had a son, and the son was born with some horrible d- birth defects. They knew about the birth defects ahead of time. They'd seen them in the, the sonograms. They knew about them for most of the pregnancy and the issue that he had was that he'd be born without a part of his skull and he would die shortly after being born. They, they knew this the whole time. There, there's a medical term for it. I, I can't say it. And so his son was born on Thursday and lived for 22 hours, just as they expected a, a very short a period of time, and then went to be with the Lord. And my friend wrote this post, though, sent a little picture of him and and wrote this post speaking of the peace and the joy that he has in the Lord, even in spite of his circumstances. This whole piece about joy that he has in Christ, regardless of the circumstance. You see, even on my friend's what would have to be one of the saddest days of his life, he still had joy, right? Wasn't happy with what was going on, but had joy because our joy is rooted in something much deeper, isn't it? Now, here's where we're going to connect this week on joy to our previous two weeks on hope and peace because hope and peace are what bring us the joy. It's the hope plus the peace which equals joy because of the hope that we have in Christ and the peace that we have through Him, then it should stir in us and create in us a joy that transcends those circumstances, that that weathers those storms and trials and pains and deaths and whatever life throws at us. So, We began two weeks ago to talk about hope, didn't we? Christmas is hope. And we said at that time that hope is all about the future, isn't it? Hope is about longing for something better. It's looking forward to something in our future that is brighter than our present. And if you don't believe you have any hope, and we talked about those that that had lost hope, If you don't believe you have any hope, if you don't believe you have any future, what do you become? Hopeless, right? If you believe there's no future for you, you become hopeless. And the only true hope, I mean transcendent hope, eternal hope, is found in Jesus Christ. Paul, I'm sorry, Peter said, there is salvation in no one else. God has given us no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And so what he's saying there is because Jesus came, Christmas, 
that's what we're talking about. Because Jesus came, because Jesus lived a sinless life that we could never live, because that then qualified him to die an atoning death for our sins, to set us free from the power and the penalty of sin, and because he rose from the dead on the third day to show that he alone has power over the grave, power over death, for all that come to him by faith are forever is taken care of, isn't it? And that's where our hope lies. That's where our future is. It's, it's a future thing, regardless of how tough this life gets. Guys, life is tough, isn't it? Man, it, it throws some hard stuff at us, doesn't it? But that's what hope is. Regardless of how, how, how tough it is, my future is set and secure in Christ, and my forever is glorious in His presence. Well, one of the best definitions of hope is found in first peter it says this it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable undefiled and will not fade away reserved for you in heaven that's future who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Guys, that's biblical hope. That's what hope truly is. That that Jesus would be able to say, everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. And I myself, He's going to be there. Jesus, our Savior, I myself will raise Him up on the last day. That's biblical hope. That caused Paul to be able to say in Romans 8.18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's biblical hope. Now, here's where we're going with this. That kind of hope should do what? Stir in us joy, shouldn't it? We got nothing to fear in this life and we got nothing to fear in the next. That should create joy in us. And then last week... We talked about peace. It was all about peace. Romans 5.1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you remember back when we were talking about peace, we took a whole bunch of scriptures and we looked at these scriptures that told us what we were before we had Christ. And there wasn't a whole lot of peace in those. And then in those same scriptures, what we were in Christ and what he's done for us. And that's where we found the peace. Now, I'm not going to go back through all those scriptures, but I'm going to sum them up really quick by saying this. What they said we were before Christ was lost and blind and far off from God. Enemies, alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil, headed toward the wrath of God because of our sin and rebellion. You guys remember that? Wasn't a lot of peace in that part, was there? But then we looked at what Christ has done for us in those same verses. And it says that we were brought near to him by the sacrifice of Christ. 
that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we were justified, meaning that we were made right before a holy God. We were reconciled to God. We were saved from the wrath of God. You remember that? We talked about wrath. We were saved from the wrath of God and that Christ himself will present us before the Father holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. And that through the blood of Christ, he has made peace between a holy God and a sinful people. You guys remember us talking about that. And so what we boil this down to now is this. It is that hope from two weeks ago, and it is that peace from last week that only comes in Jesus where we find true, transcending joy. Eternal joy, right? People can find happiness, right? I'm talking about an eternal joy, a biblical joy that's not subject to your circumstances, but is anchored in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And it's because of that, that hope and that peace that came on Christmas, that Christmas is joy. It's through that hope, it's through that peace that we now have joy. Because in Christ, we have everything, both in this life and when this life is over, right? We have nothing to fear, and we gain everything in Christ. And for that reason, every born-again believer should have joy. We don't always do that, do we? Well... We often look at our circumstances. We often get drugged down by those things. We look at people giving us a hard time, bosses, neighbors, problems, family issues, and, and we allow the world to rob us of some of our joy sometimes, don't we? That's why we're talking about it this morning, isn't it? So that we remember that the hope that we have in Christ and the peace that we have in Christ should change us and make us full of joy. Now, here's where we connect that to worship. The connection to worship is because joy is to be expressed. You see, hope is something that you have and you hold on to. And peace is something that you have and you take comfort in. And hope and peace that we get from a relationship in Jesus Christ is something that we experience. Hope and peace are something that is to be experienced, but joy is to be expressed. Hope and peace is to be experienced, but the joy that comes from the hope and peace is to be expressed, and it is to be expressed through worship. Read through the Psalms and notice how many times the Psalms call us to express joy. Sing for joy, shout for joy, dance for joy, lift your hands for joy. It's all because of the joy that we have. We only have the joy because we got the hope and the peace, right? But when we got the hope and the peace, we should have the joy. And when we have the joy, we should do what with it? Express it in worship. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of Psalms that talk about this. I'm going to read a couple of them. You can go research the rest of them. I think I probably had about 40 written down on the page before I go, you know what, I'm not going to share every one of these with everybody, but I'm going to give you just the the ones that were at the top of the page and you'll understand what I mean. Psalm 81 says, sing for joy to God, our strength. 
shout joyfully to the God of Jacob, right? Sing for joy, shout joyfully. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully, there it is, with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your love and kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night with a ten-stringed lute and a harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the works of your hand because of what you have done, right? Hope and peace. I have joy and it's to be expressed in worship. Psalm 59. But as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall shout joyfully and sing of your loving kindness. Psalm 71. My lips will shout joy with the songs of praise to you and my soul, which has been redeemed. And it goes on and on from there, right? right there's there's got to be dozens and dozens of psalms that connect the joy that we are to have in the Lord and the expression in worship. And it's to be done because of who he is and what he's done. See, see therefore, Christmas should be what? A time of great joy, right? And if it's a time of great joy, it should be a time of great what? Worship for us. Because what worship really is, is an expression of the joy that we have in Christ. And at Christmas, what are we doing? We're celebrating Christ's coming, which brought us what? Hope and joy and peace and mercy and grace and forgiveness. And because of that, we have joy and that joy is to turn into worship. And of course, of anybody, the angels understand this, don't they? Because these are the angels that come from the presence of the Lord. And so what happens on that first Christmas night? An angel appears to some shepherds. Of course, they're freaked out. I mean, if you were sitting in a dark field with a handful of sheep like you have, you know, a thousand nights before, and all of a sudden a brilliant angel appears before you, It's going to freak you out. But the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And so the angel says, I got really good news. It's the gospel. That's what gospel means. Good news. I got good news. The Savior has come and this ought to turn in For you, this ought to turn into joy. And then what happens? Here's our connection to worship. Instantly what happens? The entire night sky does what? Fills with angels. Praising God. You imagine that scene? The gospel's here. The good news has come. The Savior is here. It should bring you great joy. And then all of a sudden, everybody bursts into worship. You see, having the Savior should bring you great joy. Regardless of your circumstance. 
And that should turn into worship. Amen? Now, here's what's super convenient for you guys. Right now, we're going to go into a set of worship. You know, that's why we do worship after the message. I mean, we do a little bit before, but the reason we do the bulk of the worship after is because the Word of God is supposed to fix the problems in our heart and prepare us for worship. Because if you came in this morning and you forgot about the hope that you have, or you forgot about the joy that you should have in the midst of whatever your circumstances are, and you forgot about the peace that you have, and that, that should be turning into worship, the Word of God should hopefully have fixed that in our hearts, right? So now we go into a time of worship, and it should be a time of great joy with our hearts fixed upon Him. Let's pray. Lord, that's what we long for right now. We long for you to take and correct our hearts. Where our hope has not been the driving force in our life. Where our peace has not settled the scary parts of life. We pray you would correct that. And we would then have the hope and peace. Remembering that our eternity in you, Lord, is glorious. We have nothing to fear in this life or the next. And for that, Lord, we should have joy. A joy that's unshakable. And a joy that is to be expressed in worship. So we come now, Lord, in worship. We ask forgiveness for the times where we've neglected this. And we ask you to stir fresh and new in our hearts, that as we go into Christmas and we celebrate your coming, we remember that it brought us a hope we can find nowhere else, a peace that we can find nowhere else, and that should create joy that is to be expressed in worship. Cause our Christmas, Lord, to be a time of worship. That it be worshipful blessing to you. Lord, stir now in our hearts. Lord, we pray there'd be a spirit of worship in this room like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.